0: You're listening to The No Name Photo Show, the podcast dedicated to lively conversations about the creativity, business, and technology of photography. I'm your host, Brian Matias. Let's chat. All right, everyone, welcome to episode 48 of The No Name Photo Show. I am your host, Brian Matias, and I want to thank all of you for uh, joining us today. So the uh, we're recording this on Sunday, December 23rd, but the... Episodes actually going to air on Christmas Day, December 25th. So for those who are celebrating, Merry Christmas. For those who I missed, a Happy Belated Hanukkah. And an upcoming Happy Kwanzaa for those who happen to celebrate that as well. And I actually did do a Google search to see what the appropriate greeting is for those who celebrate Kwanzaa. And Happy Kwanzaa is there. So I think we're all, we're all good with the holiday stuff. And of course, for those who join me in Festivus. Happy Festivus! I I will be airing my grievances very soon. Uh, So this is kind of a a kind of year in review of sorts episode. This is one of the things I love as we start approaching uh, towards kind of mid November, especially beginning of December, we start to see everyone sharing kind of their year in reviews, whether it's uh, their favorite photos or uh, favorite movies or best this or worst that, um, because this is a photo podcast. I figure we'll share uh, kind of the the biggest themes, the most common themes, uh, and stories that we've seen in the kind of at the intersection of photography and technology. Now, you might be wondering, well, am I just going to be speaking with myself? And the answer is no, because I'm very, I'm very happy, and very excited to have uh, this particular guest joining me for a number of reasons. Um, but probably most appropriate for this episode is um, I have. Uh, Alex Cook, who is the editor in chief at F Stoppers, which is uh, one of the largest uh, photography websites out there and one that i'm very, very happy to be a uh, staff writer for uh, so Alex, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. why don't you tell everyone because there is a list of kind of accomplishments <laughs> to your pedigree <laughs> so uh, if you can just like tell people a little bit about yourself what you do and um and we'll take it from there.
1: Um, well, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Um, I yeah, I'm the editor in chief at uh, F Stoppers. Um, I'm also a music teacher in Cleveland, and other than that, just a baseball and horse fanatic. <laughs> Pretty simple guy.
0: <laughs> with a with a, a a doctorate.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I like music. <laughs> little,
0: little things like that. <laughs> I I do appreciate the modesty though, Alex. I mean, I I am yeah very very impressed with just kind of the the fact if one I, I can i can't i don't even know what it means to be in tune so the fact that you kind of are explaining to me what fugues are and alex how how many stories do you would you and this is just kind of off the cuff if you had to guess in twenty eighteen mm-hmm. since all so you know you have we have a, a cadre of staff writers mm-hmm. and and senior staff writers and editors how many stories would you say went through the editors to publish on f-stoppers this year?
1: Um, Probably around 4,000.
0: 4,000 stories. Yeah. And I assume you've got kind of like over the course of the year, you you kind of develop, uh, you know, a sense of what, like, oh man, this is like something that will stick in your memory more than others. Is that correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So in your opinion, if, there was, if we wanted to kick things off as far as like sharing some of our favorite themes or stories in photography, uh, what would you start off with? What would be the first thing you would want to talk about?
1: Um, I think mirrorless is kind of the, the big story of 2018 in a lot of ways. How so? Um, I mean, first, I mean, you know, until 2018, Canon and Nikon really didn't take mirrorless seriously. I mean, Nikon really had no investment in it besides um you know some really low-level cameras that got discontinued anyway and then canon you know had the eos um m series i mean which topped out with the m5 which was you know kind of a half-hearted serious attempt at a mirrorless camera you know but you know didn't use their ef mount so couldn't take advantage of their vast um lens library um and they had an adapter but the adapter was notoriously slow but um you know sony I mean Fuji and Sony but particularly Sony finally forced them to get serious about it and um obviously the OSR doesn't use the EF mount either I'm not meant to imply that but um it's I think it's the story of it is that it's a really good time for photographers gear-wise because we are going to see a flood of competition in 2019 um because I mean this I think I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say um, the um, the DSLR to mirrorless movement is going to be on the level of magnitude of, you know, the film to digital movement. I I think we're at a kind of a fundamental, um, the cusp of a fundamental paradigm shift in photography. I don't think it's going to be overnight, um, but I think in the next maybe six to eight years, maybe 10 years, um, you're going to see mirrorless really take over as the um, the standard technology.
0: I agree. And there's no reason for it not to, um, you know, not to disparage DSLRs, but the advantages that mirrorless cameras bring, especially now that they really are starting to mature. And if, you know, as far as, you can't really say that about Canon or Nikon, that will come in time, but... You have can, or Sony rather iterating in a lot of meaningful ways, and also still has have a lot to catch up on, which I'm going to be very diligently calling out in an upcoming article that you and I discussed. Mm-hmm. But there are there are fewer and fewer reasons as uh, the I'd say the technology inside the camera improves, and what I mean what I mean by that is, uh, of course, sensor technology, but we're getting almost to a point. I would say maybe you you disagree, but we are somewhat plateauing. um, As far as uh, general sensor performance, you always can improve uh, or iterate on low light performance or um, as far as uh, noise handling or light sensitivity, of course. Mm -hmm. But at some point, what I don't see, and I'm very happy about this, do you remember, especially in the DSLR days, there was the megapixel race and everyone was trying to cram, yeah as many megapixels as possible. And uh, Sony and uh, Canon or Nikon are following suit in terms of rather than having this one camera model and like, oh, well, this year it now has, you know, 62 megapixels in, uh, you know, either an APS-C cropped sensor or a full frame sensor. They have, you know, these dedicated lines and like. Um, with the appropriate um, kind of pulley system, so like you know the, the maybe the higher resolution sensor uh, isn't as doesn't have as high of a frame rate uh, to or this or that. So I like this I like seeing that that these companies are kind of giving consumers options on what they want to focus on. But little things like an electronic viewfinder, um, that to me is a game changer. that that's revolutionary for photography as opposed to using an optical viewfinder. Um, So I completely agree with you. This year has been uh, in the kind of general zeitgeist of photography for 2018. I would say mirrorless is the big one. Um, And I wouldn't even say mobile. Mobile, uh, there hasn't been too much with mobile photography other than if you want to talk about AI and how some mobile phones are using AI. Um, But that I don't think was that big of a deal.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I uh, with mobile, I'm always. (laughs) I mean, we've been hearing it since probably 2012. You know, oh, mobile is gonna overtake. You know, professional photographers and yada yada yada. Um, I I agree that um, mobile technology is advancing and it's very impressive. But I've talked about this before. I mean, there are certain fundamental limitations of physics um, when it comes to sensor size, and I I don't. And I spend enough time with both mobile cameras and, you know, professional cameras that I don't see the gap as closing at the breakneck pace that, you know, kind of the alarm bell ringers are saying it is. Um, And I I just I don't see mobile as pushing professional cameras out or pushing the role of the professional photographer out.
0: No, uh, I do. You know, it, it is fun to see that segment of the industry really try to show uh you know add, lend credence to to its uh its value or its place when you see like for instance it's almost always happens shortly after the, the new iPhone and the new Pixel come out right, exactly. where there'll be a story <laughs> Yeah, it's like, "Oh, well this the cover of Time magazine was photographed with the new iPhone." Or, you know, we um we gave the Apple gave the iPhone to this, you know, renowned landscape photographer, you know, who went to Greenland or um the Faroe Islands. Uh, and it's like, "Okay, yes, we we understand no one's denying that the technology is is do is significantly improved when you compare it to, you know, apples to apples to its predecessor." The problem that that I find is that the they're trying to see if whether it will supplant, you know, regular cameras. And I, you know, as far as mobile, Alex, I, I think we'll continue to see iterations. Uh, I'm hoping that the trend of some of these, some of the Android phones that had um, actual motorized, like moving parts, where the the lens would slide up, or or the the entire top of the phone would kind of slide up, revealing a camera. I hope that doesn't take on because. That's one of the greatest things I love is that we're starting to move away, you know, almost entirely, even on our computers from moving parts. And and that is great.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. And um, don't get me wrong. I mean, mobile cameras are, it's fascinating how good they've become. And they have, you know, they have replaced one segment of the camera market, which is, you know, the compact pocket camera. I mean, which is virtually non-existent because of mobile cameras now um whereas you know 10 years ago that was a a viable um market share um and i love that because i always have a a viable camera in my pocket now but there are there are so many applications that professional photographers deal with that these cameras could never deal with and probably never will um you know like the time magazine cover you know it's like cool the phone camera shot it but they don't you know no one People forget to mention the part where, you know, they had $8,000 of lighting there, you know, to give the proper exactly. setup for that camera to look good in that situation. You know, they're not, the these scenarios where you see the, the phone camera holding its own with a professional camera are typically the optimal scenarios in terms of lighting for any camera. And so you would expect any camera to look good in that scenario. But, you know, when things... When you get into low light, or you you know you get into sports where you need a four hundred two eight to shoot, I mean, <laughs> phones are nowhere near challenging those scenarios.
0: Yeah, there. These are still, I, I would say, I'm not, and I don't use it in, in any sort of condescending or reductive way, but like this is still for snapshots, right? Exactly, uh, or for yeah, or, or kind of like a as a compliment uh, to what you're already taking with your photo. For example, you're out shooting and you've got your tripod and your camera set up, you're shooting maybe a 30-second exposure. What uh, most people, I, in my experience, including myself, almost always do is you grab your phone out and you take a reference photo of some sort. Uh, and I, I've never felt the you know, the compunction to go, oh, I'm just gonna leave all my stuff and take my phone with me for the shoot, even though we're getting, you know, uh, like I, I think the one of the first articles I wrote at F-Stoppers was about uh, Lightroom Mobile's uh, long exposure uh, function on iOS. And, you know, there, uh, we are seeing all of these things, like uh, things that, that, that photographers want to do with their regular cameras, like stitch a, a, a pano or merge uh, multiple brackets for a tone mapped HDR. Our phones are doing that now. However, uh, it is always a compromise for now, as you said, simply because of physics. There's just simply no way to replicate the, the amount of data and the quality um, of the light passing through optical grade glass on a large lens. So I, I think mirrorless, I'm excited to see what Canon and Nikon did. What would you say if you had to rate both Canon and Nikon specifically, let's not even talk about Fuji or Sony, but with those two companies, if you were to have to give them a, a letter grade um, in terms of the cameras that they announced and released this year, specifically in full frame mirrorless, what would you give them?
1: Oh man, I'm a notoriously tough grader too.
0: <laughs> sure, which is why I asked.
1: Um, people will probably disagree with me on this, but I, I give Canon a solid B. Um, okay. That's, I say that taking the glass they released into account. Um, they, I mean, obviously the EOSR is, I mean, they've basically all but come out and said, you know, this is not the professional camera of our mirrorless line that's still to come which is a little weird to me um that you know they were forced into this market because sony is basically surpassing them at a breakneck pace in terms of technology not in terms of market share necessarily but they're catching up in both um and so i kind of thought they would lead with their best foot in terms of camera bodies but you know i'm not a a marketing expert so what do i know but um it's not. It's not a terrible camera. I mean, you look at the specs, and it's disappointing in the sense that we're always disappointed with Canon. <laughs> you know, sure. Um, you know, it, these super conservative specs. You know, and everything feels like an incremental upgrade. Although this isn't an upgrade; cause it's a new camera line. But you know, it's it feels like a camera that should have been released in twenty fourteen. Is typically what you hear people say, and I don't disagree with them. But it's it's typical typical Canon too, in that it's a solid camera. If you talk to people who have used it, they say, you know, it gets the job done. I have no issues with it. It functions the way it should. It functions intuitively. The files are nice. I mean, which is all, you know, very typical Canon feedback. Um, you know, it's underwhelming on paper, but kind of solid in the field. Um, doesn't blow you away. But what I what I do like about what Canon is doing is they um, are releasing just this hellaciously good glass. <laughs> um and I mean that's one of the reasons I stuck with Canon for so long. And even when I switched to Sony bodies mostly, I adapt most of my Canon glass because I just love their glass, you know, as much as I have a love-hate relationship with their bodies. Um you know, like you have this 28 to 70 um F2 zoom, which is just right. bonkers. <laughs> um and it it's it's not just and it's not just muscle flexing. I mean, if you read the reviews, it holds up optically. It's you know an, extraordinarily good lens and their um, their new uh, 50 millimeter f1.2 I mean the old 50 millimeter f1.2 is um, I mean in fairness to them it's a very old lens but it shows its age but this new one is high high quality and I think part of that's kind of a response to Sigma um, <laughs> stealing a bit of their their share with you know their fantastic primes but um, the what I like is that Canon is I believe them when they say they have a professional body in the works because the glass is so good. It seems like they're really going for the top tier with their mirrorless line. And um, the thing, the thing that's really interesting to me is that um, the I was very the problem with Sony and adapting glass is always that you're using a third party adapter, and that gives you a major autofocus hit with a lot of lenses. Uh, right. Which undercuts a lot of photographers who are looking to switch and are kind of have the inertia of being um, of owning a lot of glass in the canon system um, and from what i've heard i haven't had the the chance to use it but i've heard that the R to ef adapter um i was curious how a first party adapter would do and from what i hear the autofocus performance is astoundingly good as if it were on a standard ef mount and so if canon can Um, release a professional body that competes with the capabilities of Sony, and this adapter keeps um, 100% of the autofocus performance of the EF mount lenses, I mean, then they instantly can leverage this massive lens library they have, and the people who own um, the hundreds of millions of Canon lenses out there, I mean, I think they surpassed 100 million lenses manufactured a couple years ago, I mean, the amount of lenses they have in photographers out there in the hands of photographers out there is insane. So if they can leverage that um in terms of autofocus performance, they're gonna be in pretty good shape. Um on the other hand, Nikon, um, they seem to be coming at it from the other end. Um if you ask me to give them a letter <laughs> grade, um yeah, probably a C, honestly. Um I mean the do they say Z or Z?
0: They say Z. Yeah.
1: Z, okay, that's what I thought. Um the Z six and the Z7. Um i mean they're they're decent cameras, don't get me wrong, I mean, and they're doing well, but um the glass is underwhelming um particularly the fact that they i mean they came out with a lot of f four glass um kinda says to me that um whereas surprisingly actually, given Canon's reputation, they actually seem to be taking Sony and Fuji kind of seriously and saying, okay, we have to release things to get photographers excited you know like this 28 to 70 f2 zoom lens nikon kind of seems to um they kind of seem to be releasing it because they're saying okay you know (laughs) you pushed us into the mirrorless market fine um and they don't they don't seem particularly concerned with the rate that mirrorless is developing um I mean, which is fine. I mean, it's their choice. The I mean, the D eight hundred and fifty is probably the best DSLR that's ever been manufactured. So if they're putting their money there, that's one thing. But I think the the takeover of mirrorless is inevitable, and Nikon has to take it more seriously if they want to remain around.
0: Well, it just it, when Nikon released or announced the their two new cameras, it looked like they were simply copying Sony's. Uh, launch strategy when they first announced the a seven and the a seven r years Great. ago like five, yeah it's it 's just kind of part and parcel for with for what we already saw and i i mean I was excited because if i remember correctly that nikon uh, the mount itself is is has one of the largest diameters that we've seen, and it i mean it, it ha it opens up the opportunity for some interesting glass it just it it was underwhelming and with Canon, I agree with you. The, that's the thing that Canon's always had, is this this ridiculously mature lens lineup. Not to say that Nikon doesn't have some interesting glass either, but at this point, everyone was looking at the camera bodies. Uh, and unfortunately, regardless of, of what you say, they're not comparing, even though I just did compare their uh, offerings to Sony's first generation, p- people are comparing their first offerings to Sony's third generation offerings. So right off the bat, they're at this huge handicap. What I don't understand is they've had, well, I do understand just given how, how slow product development can be, especially uh, when you're working with, with very typically conservative uh, mired Japanese companies. But still, they had the opportunity, they had the, the benefit of of kind of hindsight to see what has worked and what hasn't for Sony. And it just seems like both of them, I, your letter grades, I agree with you, uh, Alex, as far as both of them kind of, you know, kind of, between the two, Canon, I think, outperformed. Uh, if Canon has something else in the works, maybe we'll see it, I don't know when we would see it, maybe CES, but I, I think that's too soon. Um, it would be nice, though, to see something seriously Be a contender against, and I'm not talking about the glass because it is unfair to compare. I mean, new new mounts require new glass, uh, save or an adapter. So, and that's something I think uh, people, some people may not understand. They just assume that if it's a Canon, you know, full frame mirrorless, that they can use. When Sony released their A7s, they couldn't use. I mean, you could use um, those lenses. You just needed an adapter.
1: And yeah, I mean, and. I mean, I think people forget that for a long time. The big complaint about Sony was, you know, you're releasing all these bodies, but where's the glass to go with them? You know, it's only the last probably 18 months or two years that their lens library has matured enough to really meet the needs of the majority of photographers using the, um, the A7 line.
0: Agreed. So I think we've, with mirrorless, we, we, I mean, we can probably do a whole episode on that, but that wouldn't be fun because <laughs> there, there's been a lot more, a lot more fun things for as far as like trends. So mirrorless was your call. I'm going to share mine. And I was torn. But the one that I want to talk about first is um, kind of this, you know, social media and photography. So, I, you know, photographers leverage social media quite heavily for a variety of reasons. One, because that's the best way. If you have a photo you want to share, that's the best way to do it. Uh, Even though I would argue that you know, people really should spend more time focusing on building their own websites. Uh, <laughs> Facebook is just, uh, I, I, f- I really don't understand. Um, Facebook has been mired with with all sorts of scandal, political and uh, hacks and security breaches and lying to its users and stuff. And yet, uh, I don't know anyone personally who has shut down their, their accounts in response. I... I told you that this the other day, like I'm strongly considering just deleting my Facebook account, not because I'm worried about my privacy, but because it just, um, it, it, uh, at some point principles have to be, you know, reckoned with and it just bothers me. So uh, you also have smug mug acquiring flicker, which I think is, is very exciting, but, What do you see as kind of some of the bigger themes around social media and photography this year that that you think uh, either changed or defined the landscape?
1: Um, I think the, I mean, I'm, I appreciate that I'm 31, you know, so I'm kind of of an age where I grew up where the internet and computers were not, you you know, these ubiquitous omnipresent things, Um, but not so old that, you know, I didn't also, you know, grow up in the social media age. You know, I mean, Facebook became a thing right as I went to college. Um, and so I think um, with social media, we're starting to really understand both as users and as um, business professionals who leverage these platforms for our own financial gain that, you know, the... This kind of glossy veneer of unlimited potential, you know, without a downside has really come down in 2018. Um, you know, and I think we're people started, I mean, we, we knew this, but I think it really came to the forefront in 2018 that these companies, you know, I mean, they're out to make money. And the way they make money is by collecting your data, often in ways that might make you uncomfortable or, or you know, you're not are not in your best interest um and that they can change their terms and often do so to leverage to leverage um your dependency on them um for their own monetary gain you know like i mean facebook pages is a great example you know how many people do you hear the same story you know where i got a hundred thousand followers you know and then facebook killed my organic reach and i had to pay to reach my followers you know
0: no but to that point i'm glad you made that because it's it's it segues to the to the bigger issue that occurred this year, which was when Facebook announced. You know, Zuckerberg was talking about how they're going to be retooling the algorithm to focus on um, quality or meaningful interactions. I think was the phrase. And something like that, yeah, yeah. And and what happened there was even if you you were a uh, you operated a business page on Facebook and you did have a budget to uh, allocate to uh, to boosting posts on a regular basis. Despite that, the you, you, your um, the discoverability or the surfacing of your posts would be significantly reduced because they want people to fo- they want you know the the the, the engagement to fo- to be focused on quality uh, interactions and that doesn't happen from ads you know from boosted posts so you you kind of it was a kick in in the pants when. Organic reach was taken away, but anyone who cried about that, I, I really had no sympathy. Like, what do you expect? You, that okay, yes, you 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 somehow got uh, a legion of people liking your page. Fantastic. This company, as you said, still needs to make money, so one of the ways that they can do that is uh, if if the priority to use to get your message, your post, your ad across, we'll pay for it. Cool. But now, to add insult to injury, they're saying, well. Even though you're doing that, and the, and I remember that Zuckerberg even said like we're expecting to have a hit uh, to to their bottom line because of it. But it's like in that respect, it it kind of always makes my point for me, where I don't believe websites are dead. I don't believe the blog is dead. I think um, what I think people need to focus on is is that. Because with that you get real SEO benefits um, that you would never get on social media, and if the game has changed as it was earlier this year, then you you have no recourse. And uh, you know I always think about this and talk to some you know fellow uh, professional photographers like with all these Instagram these professional Instagrammers that their entire presence is uh, is essentially born. Uh, of this platform like what happens when it goes away or something changes and you don't have anything else you you haven't taken the time to build a a home base you know is that something that's even considered and so that's kind of something that that worries me Uh, but fortunately there are some positive notes you know, what did you think when SmugMug, uh, when, yeah, when SmugMug announced that they were acquiring Flickr from Yahoo, what, what was your thought on that?
1: I thought it was great. Um, I mean, you, you get a, a real photography company and you take a, you know, it used to be the great photography, you know, portfolio platform and you get it back in the hands of, you know, kind of the photography community as opposed to, you know, this kind of giant internet corporation, um. And so I'm I'm excited to see what they do with it in 2019. I know they're just getting started with making it, you know, the smug mug version of Flickr. So it's it's interesting to see where they're going to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as there have been a number, there's always every year there's a litany of, of acquisitions. One company, usually it's Google or Apple, acquiring. I would say that that, and I, I, in fact, I believe that was the post I made when they announced it initially, was this is the best. I, I couldn't have I couldn't pick a better company to acquire uh, Flickr. And there was a lot of, you know, not a lot, but there was some brouhaha in November when uh, Flickr announced that, well, Smugmug, I guess, announced that they were going to be eliminating that one terabyte free quota, which I thought was asinine to begin with. But yeah, yeah. And that was something I covered. I spoke with Don McCaskill uh, and I wrote up the article on F Stoppers. Uh, like you said, uh, and I think I I want to kind of highlight that, you know, a real photography company, this, this, I know a lot of the people who work at SmugMug, and these are people who, one, SmugMug is not a, a new player. They're, they are a thoroughbred in, in our space. So why wouldn't you want, if, if uh, the, the alternative is for Flickr to continue to rot and kind of go, you know. Uh, fall into obscurity, which it was doing. So to have a company invest in, okay, um, if you want to have the real, all of the real benefits that come with it, you have to spend $50 a year, which to me is a no-brainer. What I'm excited about is that Smugbug, they're genu- genuinely good people. And I don't, I, I, I don't believe we're go- we would see the kind of insidiousness that we see with, for instance, Facebook. Um, Maybe I'm being naive, I don't know, but I think that in 2019, we're gonna see Flickr really kind of return to glory, and it's something for me that's actually, um, next week I'll do a video on kind of my 2019 resolutions, but that is one of them, is to get my Flickr house in order, because if, I, I think that's going to be the place that photographers are going to go to. Uh, you know, now that Google plus is dead in the water, which is another fits into our theme, I mean, um, which is said
1: in the first place, <laughs>
0: well, I, you know, listen, I, uh, Google plus will always have a special place in my heart that uh, aside from the fact that I worked there, but that's where I initially met uh, Nicole, who I ended up marrying and met a ton of friends because of it. So yeah, it, Google just doesn't get social. But if anything, if you want to look at the bright side, that it, it did result in Google Photos, which I, I believe is a phenomenal application. I mean, that true, was kind very of a True, yeah, it was like an offspring of Google Plus. So, so the final theme, Alex, that I want to talk about are, are drones.
1: <laughs> so yes,
0: <laughs> do you own a drone?
1: I do. I love drones.
0: So, are you like me? So. For me, when I get my drone out, I, I have the best of intentions. I set it down, I turn it on, and I instinctively, I feel my palms start, start to sweat, my, my, my heart rate goes up, because I'm just terrified at the implication of, inadvertently, some, I do something with my drone. Do you, do you get like that, or are you just kind of like, no, I'm good?
1: No, I do. I mean, I, you know, I live in Cleveland, right, by Lake Erie, and um, Cleveland has... Um a secondary airport um, that's literally right next to downtown. It's like maybe a third of a mile east of downtown. And so, if you want to shoot, you have to. I have to call the airport tower every time. You know, I'm shooting over the lake or something. You know, and say, "Hey, I'm here." Blah 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 blah. Um, and I have a good relationship with them because I um I actually took flying lessons out of there, so I know them. But um more my more my point is um I know I'm doing things by the book, but the park where I fly at is full of people and I always see people who are flying drones irresponsibly as planes are flying overhead at only about four or 500 feet. I mean, cause it's right on the landing path. And, um, and then you have the other people who are just, I inevitably, I get someone come up to me and, um, question me with suspicion.
0: um, and Isn't it a great feeling though, Alex, to know like when you know you're in the right, you've done you've you've dotted your I's, you've crossed your T's, it is the greatest feeling to just be able to say, no, actually, I'm good.
1: It's the greatest feeling, but you have to, um you can't argue in a rational manner with someone who's irrational. And a lot of the times the people who are suspicious of photographers act irrationally, unfortunately, and that can put you in some very um, uncomfortable or even dangerous situations sometimes. And drones seem to attract those interactions even more so than other photography um, ventures.
0: It is, it is funny how the attitude towards drones has very, very uh, uh, like fluidly over the past uh, several years, it shifted from when I, fir- when I f- got my first drone, it was a DJI Phantom. I think a Phantom two, and it was, this was before the national parks ban. So I was, uh, I went to Yosemite and was flying it. And, you know, I gathered a crowd and people were just so like curious and genuinely like awestruck over it. They wanted to see the, the uh, display and they just, it was just like something they were genuinely, it was fascination to today. And to your point, where now it is more um, apprehension. The, the it, you know it reminded me very much of Google Glass, where yes, yes, yeah. And initially it was like, whoa, this is like you know this is crazy, and very in in case very quickly devolved into um, everyone being dubious and suspicious. But with drones, especially, there's there's good cause because I I went through uh, the f stoppers. Uh, archives and without even trying very hard, you know, found a number of drone-related issues. Like in October, Oliver published a story called "Drug Dealers Arrested After Crashing Their Drone in yes, Prison yes. with footage, <laughs> which footage of themselves on a memory card.
1: Yeah, there was footage of them packing the drugs. I remember. <laughs>
0: it's just like you can't these are the things that that is like is this an onion article because you can't make a headline like that up um but then and the problem is
1: with drones i mean you know with a guy with a camera if you know something goes wrong it's generally an isolated event but like with drones you know like it shuts down a major uk airport for three days (laughs) as we just saw you know and so there's there's higher stakes often with drones
0: Absolutely and You know what Alex is referring to is just a couple of days ago. This is, this is nuts. But uh, I guess two drones were sighted at, at London Gatwick Airport and it caused them to shut down for several days, which is, I, I mean, and, and, and to that point, then there's, uh, there was another uh, story from July, also by Oliver, where um, someone flew it. Basically, they, I, I watched the video. The drone was hovering just off of the main um, airstrip and it was a an uh, united Arab emirates flight um an eight, uh oh, an airbus a3 the a380 yeah. was taking off and it was just basically i don't know just a few feet outside of its flight path and it it kind of pans along with it and i i i don't understand because the these little things there was, are 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 can can be catastrophic so what I'm wondering is, uh, this is what my point. Where whenever I turn my drone on these days, I I kind of get my body starts to like revolt because I'm terrified. Like I I have the best of intentions. I know I'm not flying in anywhere where I'm not supposed to, but I uh, I just worry that if something is, it, I ask myself, is this worth it? Um, and as more and more one, as more and more people, I think become uh, kind of dubious to the point of aggressive about them. And two, as, as just uh, more restrictions are imposed, it's going to be, you know, I, I do wonder what companies like DJI think, where they, I would assume that they would have to have lobbyists who are doing everything they can to ease FAA restrictions in this country. So, I don't know. For me, I, I wish, it's really hard to, you know, just takes one bad apple But unfortunately, it's (laughs) we've seen no shortage of these really ridiculous uh, stunts and maneuvers because people want they, they want to to get their own footage regardless of the implications.
1: Agreed. Yeah. And I mean, the problem, the fundamental problem with drones is, I mean, it's it's a relatively cheap device. I mean, you know, you can get a Phantom for 500 bucks or so and it it. It feels like a toy and I think that deceives people into underestimating, you know, the gravity of what can happen with a misused drone. You know, if you if a drone cost ten thousand dollars, you know, and looked like a you know, a serious military device instead, you know, like a little plastic helicopter, you know, I think people would take it seriously and realize, you know, like this is a device that, you know, you know, needs consideration in terms of how I handle it. But, you know, and this isn't, you know, a slight against DJI. It's just the way it's, the way drones are, you know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't put people in the mindset of thinking I'm holding a device that can cause serious damage if I misuse it.
0: So that's an, okay. So two, well, one to your directly to your point, you actually published an article in October where you, it was a, you shared that video of what would actually happen if a, it's a, it's a video that, oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, Aviation International News, where they flew a Phantom into the wing of a, I believe it was a Boeing 737, or it looks like a 737 wing, but I'm not sure. I
1: think it was um, a smaller general. Aviation was it smaller? Line, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was at the University of Dayton, the, their research institute. But it, the result is, is just your, your jaw opens up like, oh man, it, it completely annihilated the wing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it put a a big hole in the leading edge, and I don't think it damaged the uh, the strut of the wing. But I mean, still, I mean, you know, a hole, you know, a ten by ten hole in the leading edge of an airplane wing is not a good
0: thing. <laughs> no, I I wouldn't think so. I would think you'd want to keep that as streamlined as possible. Yeah, you um, generally
1: don't want holes in airplane wings.
0: <laughs> no, no. So, uh, you know, to to that point, then would do you think, Alex, that the the avail the consumer availability of drones do you think it kind of peaked too early you know we're just not ready for it or do you think that um do you think that do you see this continuing to grow not not the um the stupid maneuvers but do you see the drone market continuing to grow to grow
1: um i see it continuing to grow i mean it's it's kind of tough to call because um It's the drone market, unlike other camera markets, is going to be so heavily dependent on legislation and how, I mean, basically how legislated they are. You know, I mean, are they are we going to continue to allow them in the capacity they're used now? Or, you know, are we going to get to this critical mass point, you know, where we have these incidents and the government's basically like, you know, nope, this is just too much of a risk, you know. And they, you know, legislate them down to the point where they're not really fun to use anymore or useful Um, or you or you simply have to have a commercial license to use them or whatever. Um, I think. I think given the current legislative circumstances, the market would continue to grow because, I mean, they are fun and people enjoy using them. Um, but if we continue to have incidents like shutting down, you know, a major international airport for three, what was it, three days, I think, or 48 hours, yeah. you know, before Christmas, <laughs> that's not going to last, you know?
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah, especially, you know, there was the the last update that I saw in that article um, indicates that they haven't ruled out that it was some sort of a intentional or, or terrorist attack, but they're not ready to say that that was the case. So I don't know. I just, again, I, I hope it's the same thing in, I think it was 2017 to, you know, and to a different degree where you have these, the, these small amount of people, these few people who they, for their, whatever, whether they're doing it for the grammar, they're doing it for YouTube, but they do something really stupid that ends up causing uh, like you said some sort of legislation or a major rule like those um those youtube the canadian youtubers who hopped the fence at yellowstone and that oh, ended yes, up yes yeah and i think two of them are now dead because the following year earlier that year they they i shouldn't laugh but they fell over a waterfall or something something like that died yeah, i saw that yep. yeah so it just it is unfortunate though you know those those they, they not only that one oh, no, that was a different person the person who who led to the national parks ban of drones. He crashed his drone into the grand prismatic, which I mean, you can only imagine. Yeah. And like battery acid in, in melting in, and plastics in a, in a hot spring like that is just, it's, it's very unfortunate. Um, But I, I would also have to think Alex that that was completely inevitable. If that ban didn't happen because of that incident, it would have happened for something else, maybe even something even more catastrophic. Oh, absolutely. Um, so,
1: absolutely. And don't get me wrong. I mean, if if the current situation is that, you know, drones are going to cause serious incidents, then, you know, I support that legislation needs to happen, even if it's only because of a few idiots. But um, yeah, yeah, we're going to have to see what
0: happens. Yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully w- the more people are aware of them, I, I I think the more there's an opportunity to educate them. And I I am interested to see what twenty nineteen brings there, because it is true. I mean, you you get some of the most uh, you get some really interesting perspectives that you simply impossible to get, uh, you know, especially with the kind of control that you have. Uh, However, if it's something where, if if it's something where it's just an accident, meaning uh, you you inadvertently crash, even though new new drones are uh, they have some really nice kind of you know omnidirectional proximity sensors. Uh but or the battery dies and it doesn't get back in time. Like, okay, I, I kind of get that. But when it's like you you genuinely know that you're doing something dumb, but you do it anyway, and then you even more to the point share it on social media. That's just something right. else. That's that's a special breed of stupid. But let's move on, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> we uh we we definitely kind of crushed with the with the topics, and I do think those are three of the kind of the more important topics from this year, but now let's not look. Let's not look to the past anymore, Alex. Let's look forward to 2019 and share some predictions. So, do you have any predictions for what we can expect in kind of the photo tech hybrid space?
1: Oh man, um, what was exciting? Um, well, let me jump back to 2018 for a second so I can explain. Um, sure. What was exciting for me in 2018 was actually the Sony A7 III because. Um, it it was this highly, highly capable full-frame camera uh, that came out at a remarkable price point. I mean, you know, you have this full-frame camera with great autofocus. It shoots 10 frames a second. Um, you know, the typical Sony dynamic range. I think the a7 III is 14.7 stops or something like that. Um, you know, basically this fantastic all-around camera that you could put into 98% of photographic situations and it's going to excel. And it comes out for $2,000 on release. Um and so I think um, products like that and then like Godox is really starting to make some inroads in the industry. Um, it's I, I think you're starting to see the emergence of um, some fantastic, more affordable technology. And I hope that I hope that trend continues in 2019. I'm not going to say I'm predicting it will, but I'm hoping it continues. But, um, and what I think is going to happen in 2019 for sure is just, I mean, I think the mirrorless race is going to really heat up. Um, I think, um, Canon and Nikon have accepted finally that it is inevitable that this is where the industry is going to go simply because mirrorless is superior to an optical viewfinder for a few reasons.
0: Um, absolutely.
1: Um, you know, it's like the transistor versus the vacuum tube. I mean, (laughs) but, um. And so I think you're going to really see it um, heat up. Um, That being said, I, you know, I think we have to remember that Canon and Nikon don't release technology at the breakneck pace Sony does. So I think, you know, we might see um, one more major mirrorless body from Canon later in 2019, maybe two. Um, My prediction personally is that we're going to see a more capable mirrorless body um, from them. Um, which they kind of hinted at when they said this, you know, the EOS R isn't our flagship mirrorless body. Um, I also think they're going to replace the 5DS and 5DSR line with a mirrorless body. I really think there's no reason at all to um, make another 50 megapixel or 75 megapixel, whatever. They're going to upgrade the resolution to um, DSLR for them, and with as good as the new glass is, that's all the more reason to make it on the mirrorless mount. So you might see one, you might see two bodies from Canon. Um, My prediction is a more capable body and maybe a high resolution body. You know, there's a lot of rumors going around about this 75 megapixel sensor, but Canon tests high resolution sensors all the time. Um, Right. Doesn't mean they come to market. Um, Nikon, I think their focus is going to be on getting more glass out. Um, you know, they've got that 58 millimeter F0.95 lens coming out, but, um, you know, that's, that's going to be a pricey lens. <laughs> I mean, that's probably going to be a $3,000 50 millimeter lens. So, I mean, I think, and I hope that for their sake, they're going to focus on not just that, but getting out, you know, some standard, you know, 2470 70 2.8 type lenses, you know, kind of bread and butter lenses for photographers. Um, I think Sony's going to keep, pushing i mean sony's strategy is kind of um make our technology so good that you can't resist you know switching over from canon or nikon and it's it's working they're drawing people over i mean i was telling you a couple days ago um you know one or two years ago if you looked at any professional sporting event at the sidelines you know or the photographer's um pit you'd see nothing but you know, like 80% Canon bodies and maybe 20% Nikon bodies, but certainly nothing else. Um, and now, you know, you're seeing people show up with Sony A9s and their new 400 millimeter, you know. Um, I shoot um, minor league baseball sometimes, you know, and I took the Sonys up there and it was a lot of fun using them. <laughs> um, yeah. And... So I think the prediction for 2019 is that it's going to be a good year for photographers because there's so much competition and of course competition is good for the consumer.
0: Um so. yeah. I, I I expect that we'll see I can't imagine any time beyond an AB where we should see uh an A7S Mark 3 that's kind of like the gap tooth in their in their lineup it it you know that's the only full frame mirrorless camera that still uses their old uh, battery tech and just their old, you know, it, it is a kind of, at this point, getting a little long in the tooth and a lot of people are waiting for what that successor will be. So it, the A9 was, was, a, was a very interesting entry, very expensive. It wasn't 2018, but uh, I agree with you. The A7 III has been uh, remarkable as, as kind of this utility player camera can kind of jack of all trades i've always thought that was the case and um it's nice to see that they didn't abandon that line for you know the only special specialty or specialized you know r and s so i think we'll see that uh, i'm very very interested to see what happens with this zeiss zx1 um so yeah
1: that's a cool looking camera
0: isn't it? I mean, so if it, you probably blink and you missed it, because it really it didn't get too much coverage because it, it, it's hard. It's almost it bordered vaporware until recently, but it's this. Um, so Sony, I don't know. They all but abandoned the their RX one, their integrated, you know, the, the full frame mirrorless camera with an integrated thirty five slice lens. They they iterated on it, I think once. And
1: yeah,
0: they have a, a Mark II out. Yep. They have a Mark II. Zeiss built their own camera, first of its kind. And it is, it's like, I don't know if, it, if you would call it more of a proof of concept, but it has some very interesting features. It's a, a unibody with a 35 millimeter, I think, F2 lens integrated, you know, and obviously the benefit there, marrying the, lens to the camera and the sensors that you can optimize them in ways you can never do it with, a, with an inter- interchangeable lens system. And you've got this gigantic screen on the back, a touch screen, that's a, there, it's pretty much all there is, and it's running a modified version of Android with Lightroom, Adobe Lightroom CC Mobile on it. Right. And I spoke, yeah, I spoke with both of the product managers uh, at, uh, at uh, PhotoPlus uh, in October, and they were like, because I was like, okay, so is this something where it has to go through, like, when, Lightroom, when Adobe updates Lightroom, it has to go through you, and you have to do stuff, and they're like, no, no, this, it, it literally, you'll go to the Google Play Store, and it'll update as, uh, you know, zero day, which I thought was brilliant. Um, and it also has all the benefits, so for someone like me, who has every single uh, photo that I've ever taken in Creative Cloud, you know, on, on my actual camera that I'm using, I can go and, and let's say my, my, my rationale is like, let's say I go to a, a scene that I've been to several times before and I want to compare, like, did I take, you know, a photo from this location? I can just pull it up on my camera really quickly. Um, and if I really wanted to, I could edit it right there. But my point is, you know, granted you take it with a grain of salt. It's a fixed lens. It's not like i I can go back there and reshoot it with a 12 millimeter lens, but yeah the point the other interesting thing about it is that it has a half a terabyte ssd there are no sd card slots there is no removable media um it's all it's all internal and no one knows anything about availability or price but people are expecting this to be a very expensive camera um you know it is somewhat of a novelty i i'm I can't wait to try it out. I think this is something as far as a 2019 trend. I would love to see more of. Is uh, and I've and this has been discussed on the show before. But what you see, what, what we typically see is we have mobile phone companies taking technology, camera technologies, and kind of integrating it. But you very really well, you, you you up until now really haven't seen the the opposite where a camera company will take mobile technologies and and bake it in. You have instead these in most cases, these god-awful menu systems that are uh, missing features or really can't do anything uh, beyond what you would expect, like set basically setting settings. But yeah, I would love to see that. I don't know if anyone else will kind of be as as kind of bold as Zeiss's because I don't think anyone expected this. Um, but I would love to see that in 2019 is. It is more of this kind of innovation because that's what it is that's there's no other way, word to call it and it's just that was that's an interesting innovation
1: oh absolutely i mean it's it's super exciting um, I'm very curious to try it out too i mean I think you're right it's a very niche thing, but it's nonetheless exciting
0: well imagine let's let's move away from just the z x one but imagine if sony or canon or you know they decided to ditch um the majority of the back of their camera to put a, a, a much larger touchscreen LCD that ran. If, it, if not Lightroom, because I can, you know, I'm sure not everyone wants to hitch their wagon to Adobe, but it gives you more, more controls, um, you know, that much larger of a, of a viewfinder, which, cause that screen acts as the viewfinder as well. Like that, that's very interesting stuff. I mean, I would love to see camera companies be a little bit more bold. It, it's kind of like, every camera has looked relatively the same since you know slrs uh kind of became uh, available it's it, it, when you when you look at a, an icon of a camera or you you ask someone to draw you know even if it's crude uh, a rendition of a camera it's almost always the same and you know when you look at the ergonomics of that zx1 or you you know you look at its functionality i would love to see more camera companies uh do that, take that approach.
1: Absolutely. I mean, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it'd be, it'd be great to see more brand individuality in that sense. And I mean, and when you talk about like running Android on camera, I mean, that just opens up a world of possibilities. I mean, can you imagine if we had camera app stores? I mean, that would be, you could have some very yeah. cool stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, we kind of did with Sony and until they decided to just pull it without any sort of, warning um that was a bummer yeah 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 play i I don't i don't understand it why they would have removed play memories um but they they did and and that's the way it is so uh alex i think we're i think we've definitely given the listeners plenty to chew on uh and so i want to i first I, i just want to thank everyone for all the listeners out there for your support for listening to the show this year uh, you know it's been kind of a, a rocky middle of the year but things picked up uh, towards the end of the year and i'm very excited for what we've got in 2019 uh, also of course um, if you head over to to fstoppers uh, there are a ton of really fantastic articles uh, original articles that the writers are contributing to uh, so if you just head over to fstoppers.com um, and then all of I'm gonna to link to all of kind of the articles that Alex and I referred to or referenced to in the show at the show notes uh, over at nonamephotoshow.com. Um, Alex, thank you so much for your time and for sharing kind of your thoughts on uh, the year in review and what we hope to see next year as well. So with that one quick programming note, uh, we're gonna take next week off and kick things up with episode 49 in the new year, um, the I guess the first full week of January. So with that, everyone, happy holidays, happy new year. And I look forward to uh, sharing more new stuff with all of you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the No Name Photo Show. Don't forget to check out the show notes at nonamephotoshow.com and be sure to subscribe in whichever app you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss a beat. Let's do this again next time.